Hello. On this week's podcast, I'd like to talk about something called an accusation on it. It's a very good negotiating technique, and it can help you get interviews and get noticed when you feel like maybe there's something in your background that's working against you. All right. First, as always, donations have been decent, and I'm really surprised. So just remember, it takes a lot of coffee to produce this podcast. Buy me some coffee. All right. Accusation audits, you can learn about these on your own. You can go to YouTube and follow the Black Swan Group. You don't have to subscribe. Their free stuff is enough for people working in education. If you decide to actually work in hostage uh, negotiation, you might want to spend some money. There's a book called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. It has some really good techniques in it, and uh, it's a quick read. And actually, it's available at my public libraries, so you might even be able to get it for free if you have an ebook library card. So what you want to do with an accusation audit, basically, is lay is take a weakness that you know they're aware of and turn it into a strength by just bringing it up first. You just want to put everything out in front of you, okay? You just want to get it out there. Um, I had someone reach out to me because they're trying to get a job as an English teacher. But if you look at their nationality and their passport, you might, as a hiring manager, an HR person, or a principal who may or may not be aware of certain things around the world, like geographically what the native language is in a certain country, you may not be aware that the person speaks English natively or that they're uh, operating in a dual language environment from the time they're, you know, babies. And that, that matters. I mean, if you grow up, like I have friends who are Lebanese, they all speak three languages. They can teach all, they, if they studied how to do it, they could teach all three languages. They're very articulate, professional people. And um, I've met Lebanese people who teach like, uh, English literature at universities, met Lebanese people who teach French, met Lebanese people who teach Arabic. It's just the way you present yourself. So let, let's just take an example. I have a buddy, okay, who sounds more American than anybody from the state of Ohio. He is Lebanese and Finnish. Okay, Lebanese and Finnish. So trying to explain anything about him just by saying he's Lebanese and Finnish, it just doesn't work. People's, their, their eyes just cross. They're like, what? Does he like the hot? Does he like the cold? Who, who is this guy? So anyway, let's, let's, take, let's take him for example. Let's say that he speaks English, Arabic, French, and Finnish, four languages. If he were to apply for a job, and let's say that he's applying for a job to teach English literature, he might say something like, um, I'm applying for the job as a grade 11 English literature teacher. As, straight up in front of them, as a person with dual passports who is a native English, Arabic, and Finnish speaker. I, blah, 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 blah. He is saying I have two passports. He is saying he's dual nationality. He is saying his native languages 
are English, Arabic, and Finnish. He, he's saying, I'm declaring, I speak all three of these languages at a native level. Now, his writing has to back that up. I mean, if you say you're a native English speaker and your writing on your cover letter is horrendous, you're not going to get anywhere by just saying you're a native speaker. Um, I'm not a bad Japanese speaker. I would never put down I'm a native Japanese speaker. I would never write an application in Japanese. I might write um, a blurb in Japanese. I might send an audio recording in Japanese. But I always say that I am conversational, that I can do meetings. But my reading and writing is at a very low level. Because I don't live in Japan. I don't practice reading and writing. And I learned how to do it in my 20s. Like, I'm not native. That That's not the same. So... I, I'm completely aware of my level. So I would never apply for a job where I have to teach Japanese. I would apply for a job where I have to work in a Japanese environment because I can do that. I can work in a Japanese environment. I can have a little, you know, um, Canon word tank type device to help me with the tricky stuff. And um, if I know I'm starting this job in a couple months, I would just power load my brain with Japanese every day, which I've done before to get ready for going to Japan or doing school field trips. I've taken kids to Japan and I was out of Japan for like six months before I did it. So I don't want to get in a medical emergency or something with these kids and not be prepared. So I would do all of that, but I would also have a Japanese translator with me for emergencies where if I need to do paperwork, I've got them to do that. Or I have to go to the pharmacy and I'm dealing with uh, words I would never encounter unless I was a native speaker. Okay. So you can't just say it. You do have to back it up. But if you know you can back it up, put it out there early. Accusation audit. Get it out there. Job history is another one. I have a friend who I feel is in a bad situation. She is very competent. Um, she was offered a job at a really good school. They totally hosed her. I'm just going to use the word hose because I don't want to use the word I want to use. Um, with a visa for her family that they knew she had. Like, this was all disclosed, and she's waiting and waiting. They're sending her information. They're trying to onboard her really early with technology, which I think was a, a red light. She's like, wait, this is pretty early. So she's like, hey, you know, I haven't really had a follow-up. Like, uh, what do, you know, my husband and my child need to do for their visa process? Um, deaf ears, no reply, no reply. So finally she gets on the phone. I mean, how many times do we have to call an HR office overseas? It's not that often. You usually get an email. Yeah, they're not going to process that. Um, so what what's she supposed to do? Um, so she signed a contract. They won't um, give, like provide a visa for her family. They're not giving a reason. So she has to break the contract in April and rapidly just try to find another job because she's her job is gone. Her school's already filled it. And her job was good and this was a better job and she didn't not like her other job. It was really, really bad. So look at her resume, right? You've got this weird and so then she she has to take basically an emergency posting because she doesn't want to take a year off. She's super unhappy. So she's starting to look for a job. Now look at her resume. Look at her job history. It looks like she's going to start job jumping. Accusation audit. Um, over the last 10 years, I've worked um, at, you know, 
I said, over the last 10 years, I've worked for three different schools. Um, my last school was great. I had an amazing offer um, giving me uh, a position that I've been working towards for a while. After I'd signed the contract, they reneged on the visa issuance to my family. Uh, that forced me into a situation. I had to take a job that was below the level I was working at because I needed to work and we need to make sure that we're, we have enough income. So I took this job. But to be honest with you, the second I took this job, I started looking for another job. That's an, an accusation on it. So that is putting that out there. Now, that's not very articulate, and that's not something you would want to necessarily write. Um, but it's something that you might want to be prepared to say if you get an interview. Or if you're outlining it in your cover letter, you could very succinctly explain that there was an interruption between the years 2015 and 2017. So you could say, uh, you'll notice from my resume that between 2015 and 2017, my employment history was erratic. Boom. Accusation on it right there. It was erratic. The reason it was erratic was because an employer broke their contract with me and forced my me and my family into a very difficult situation. I'm happy to discuss it. So you right there in your writing have said, yeah, I know there's a weird like gap or a uh, problem on my documents, but I'm willing to talk about it. And it hasn't, you know, it wasn't my fault. And then again, verbally, you've, you've kind of practiced the story. The story needs to be a story. Like you, you need to tell the truth and tell the, and tell a story. You, you don't want to say the same things in your cover letter. So you need to go into a little bit more detail about, I had the contract. They pulled the contract because um, I told them if they could not provide a visa for my family, I wasn't going to go. And this was April and there were no jobs left. So I had to make a hard decision. I gave this a try, but I can tell you from the first day I was there, I knew it wasn't for me. That's a story. And, and that covers your bases and it kind of diffuses everything. And I believe it turns a weakness into a strength because at this point, you're saying that you had a very difficult personal problem. You didn't give up. You found a way through. And as soon as you could, you got back on track. You never lost sight of what you wanted. And, and that is the story, you know, you're trying to convey. So you guys are probably a lot more articulate than I am. I'm just trying to throw this technique out because, um, you know, I get this a lot. I, I had a problem and none of us are perfect. I took a job in 2019 and... My job was great. My boss was great. I hated where we were living. My wife hated where we were living. We didn't feel safe. So I called my recruiter that I was working with at Carney Sando, who I've still like really like Carney Sando. So if you haven't signed up with them and you're looking to go back to the US or even Canada, in a limited sense international, but international, but mostly the US and Canada, sign up. It's free. They're they're good. They're they're decent, normal people, and they'll talk to you. Anyway, I called my recruiter, and I was like, here's the deal, man. I know you helped me get this job, and it's a fantastic job. We can't live here. It's like we feel unsafe every day. And he said, I can live with that. I'll help you. I didn't make any excuses. I didn't say they're being unfair or this or that. Like, I didn't find, I didn't nitpick the employer. I just straight up told him, we, we don't feel safe here, and... 
Like, we don't feel like we can live here. We have all these skills from traveling and living overseas. And uh, we don't feel like we can live here. So I just laid it out. And he was on board with helping me immediately. So, and he helped me get the job I have now. So, you know, it, I, I do believe in this stuff. And putting it out there. And just kind of diffusing the situation. And eliminating the questions. Like, you know they're thinking about it. So don't avoid it. You know, it's on their minds. Don't avoid it. All right, that's all I have this week. So good luck. And uh, if you need help, send me an email, info at tonydebrado.com. You can also just comment openly at the bottom of the newsletter. I usually remember to put the comment box on there. But if not, I always remember to put the comment box on the podcast, I think. So I'll make sure that gets done. All right, everybody, have a good week.